Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Guys, we've been in a series called walking the path and it's all about just kind of examining what the Christian life looks like. What is a Christian? This is a life and death question that every human on the planet needs to contend with. It's an important question to be able to answer and certainly one that if you're going to become a Christian, you need to know what that looks like. There are many titles whenever it comes to calling somebody a Christian. You know, we call them believers. In Africa, I just, I love it. Certain parts of Africa, you know, they're starting to call each other Christians, but, but for the longest time, they've called, they've called Christians followers of the way. We call them warriors, we call them disciples, we call them believers. It's interesting that the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. But yet, it has become the descriptor of who you and I are. The word Christian took off in the third century, and I'm just telling you, it's one of the most misunderstood words in our vocabulary today. Everybody thinks they know what a Christian is. Even some Christians believe that they're Christians and they're not because they've got a false definition. I want you to know this, that a Christian is simply somebody who is in Christ and Christ is in them. Being a Christian is all about having a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I get a good amen there? See, there's a lot of people that think they're Christians because they've got a good relationship with the church. But I'm telling you, I believe it's even possible even in our own church that there are people that come to our own church, Grace Community Church in the great little town, great little city of Rupert, Idaho in the great state of Idaho, they come, they love what they receive, they love how they feel, they've got a relationship with the church, but they still are not yet a Christian. Man, how in the world can that be possible? I'm telling you, it's very possible. People know that my, my background, my roots are Pentecostal. In fact, one person asked me, they said, hey, listen, pastor, if you weren't a Pentecostal, like, what would you be? And I just said, ashamed. <laughs> I know that hurts some feelings in here today <laughs> because not everybody associates as being Pentecostal, and that's okay. You'll get there one day. I've had, I've had, I had a good friend, Jim Stockberger. He, 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 before he came to this church, he wanted to take me out, uh, take it easy, relax. <laughs> he took me out to, uh, he took me out to lunch and he was like, man, before I start coming to your church, I've heard good things about the church. I understand that you're Pentecostal. I said, yeah, I'm Pentecostal. 
he said, you know, he just wanted to make sure there wasn't anything weird happening, you know, in the, in the church. And so Jim Stockberger was a part of our church for, my goodness, seven years or so, long time, became a, became a devote person that was just involved in a lot of, a lot of the church stuff. And, and uh, he called me one day. He went back to his hometown where he was raised. He was raised in the Christian church. He went back to his hometown to the same church that he was raised in that he just loved so much. And he called me one day. He says, Pastor, I think I'm more Pentecostal than I ever thought because I miss our church and I'm at my home church right now and it's just, it's just not the same. What I'm saying is this. I don't care what you call yourself. You call yourself Baptist. You can call yourself a Lutheran. You can call yourself Pentecostal. You can call yourself evangelical. You can call yourself a Catholic. You can call yourself a Mormon. You can call yourself whatever it is that you want to call yourself. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, my friend, you're not a Christian. You are not a Christian. It doesn't matter what title you give yourself, what church you think you belong to. If you don't have a personal relationship, if you're not in him, and if he's not in you, you are not a Christian. And I'm telling you this, that there's a lot of people that believe they're Christians today, and they're just simply not. Being a Christian is not living a good life. Being a Christian is not giving a certain amount of money. Being a Christian is not serving people. Being a Christian is not belonging to a certain family. If you ask people on the street, hey, listen, what's your belief system? Most people in our community are going to say, oh, I'm a Christian. And then if you follow that question up with another question, what makes you a Christian? You're going to get all kinds of answers from I'm a good person to I go to church every once in a while to my whole family's Christian. And I'm just saying this, that going to church and being a good person and giving money and belonging to a family that has a heritage, a lineage of being strong Christians does not make you a Christian. Because uh, becoming a Christian is something that happens individually. There was never a time that somebody became Christian through osmosis. They didn't go to bed one night and then wake up the next morning saved and a believer. The Bible, um, you know, shows us that God doesn't have grandchildren. So just because your mom was a great praying woman and your, and your dad was faithful and devout to the church and, and your grandparents, you know what I'm saying? They drug you to church every single, every single Sunday just because they're believers doesn't mean that you are and doesn't mean that you are in Christ and belong to him. So today we're going to take a look real quickly at three, the three times that the word Christian is used in the Bible, and we're going to allow that to be our message today. So number one, right out of the gate, a Christian makes a decision, a Christian makes a decision. The Apostle Paul, um, you know, his faith was, was, was on trial. He was standing before a king, King Agrippa, um, which, is, which is the seventh um, King Herod in the lineage of Herod. And so, um, you know, they, 
this whole family has, has really shown so much about how they're against you know, the church, how they're against Jesus. They understand the prophecies of the day. But in Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, the Bible says that Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. So what do we know about the Apostle Paul? He went from murderer to missionary. And the Apostle Paul, if you don't know, like he was one of the greatest educated people of his time. Like he, he, he learned under the best educators of his time. He was a brilliant man, a theologian. He knew more about the scriptures than, you know what I'm saying, than, than, than most. But the way that he utilized his life in reaching the lost wasn't necessarily as a theologian, it was as a, a normal person, come on, that was given an anointing, a calling to go to testify of Jesus' goodness. And God used it in a mighty way. And so the Apostle Paul's faith is on trial. I want you to know that, that Agrippa's grandfather is the one in an effort to have Jesus murdered, murdered a bunch of the the boys, come on, in, in history, a bunch of the, 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 the young kids in history. That was his grand, it was his, it was Agrippa's dad that actually had James killed. And so, and so here the apostle Paul is on trial and guess what? The apostle Paul is saying, listen, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. I'm going to share the good news with this king that yes, might be able to kill me, destroy me. Put me in prison, whatever, it doesn't matter. He's on trial and he begins to witness, begins to testify. And the result was, the king said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. See, the Holy Spirit was at work even at that place. The apostle Paul was sharing, Agrippa was paying attention, and he comes to the place of you almost persuaded me. So the Holy Spirit's doing a work, but... A decision was not made. See, he liked what he was hearing, but he wasn't, he wasn't willing, come on, to surrender to make a decision for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How many of you know that almost isn't saved? You almost persuaded me. See, Jesus, once again, was a big deal. Agrippa knew about him. Agrippa knew about the prophets. He knew you know, the Bible to, 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 uh, to some extent. And if you go back a couple of verses in Acts 26 and verse 26, Paul's even telling him, listen, I know you as the king, you're familiar with these things. And so I'm going to speak freely to you. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice. None of what? None of the conversation about who Jesus is and what he's come for. Because, why? It wasn't done in the hidden spaces. It wasn't done in the corner. Come on, Jesus was crucified and was a public figure. And oh, by the way, there were so many prophecies that had been fulfilled even at this time. And then King Agrippa, Paul asked him, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. And so the apostle Paul was cornering the king saying, listen, I know you've heard about this. See, he believes in the Bible, he knew the prophets, but he did not know Jesus personally. He knew of him, but he did not know him personally, right? And I'm telling you this this morning, that you have to know Jesus personally. 
everybody in here, everybody in this community, there's not a person in this community that hasn't heard of Jesus. Everybody's heard of him, but do you know him? That's the big question. And my friend, my brother and my sister, if you don't know him, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. There must be a time and a place where you're born again. There must be a time and a place where you're born again. I've shared with you folks time and time again when that, that born again experience happened in my life. Of all places in a jail cell. What's crazy is, is I had a powerful experience with Jesus when I was eight years old at an altar just like this. I went up for prayer and the Lord spoke to me personally, his heart to my heart. Travis, I'm real. I've got a plan for your life, but I wasn't born again at that space in that time. In fact, I knew there was a God. I knew there was some time in the future that I was going to be serving God and surrendered to God. It just wasn't now. It just wasn't today. It was sometime in the future. But if you're born again, it happened at a certain time and in a certain place. And if you're wondering today, man, oh man, I don't even know when that happened. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. But if you don't have an idea of when you made a decision, when you, when you surrendered to the Lord, if you don't have an idea and there wasn't a certain time and it wasn't a certain place, it's possible that you're not a Christian. Why? Because when you make the decision, come on, it happens at a certain time and it happens at a certain place. Agrippa was this close, but you didn't move on it. He said, you almost persuaded me. Jesus talked so much about the choices that were given. He's like, listen, there's two masters that you can serve. Which one are you going to serve? He talked about how there's two roads. There's the wide road to destruction, the broad road. And then there's the narrow road to life. You got to make a choice. There's two destinations. Both of these destinations are very real destinations. There's a destination called heaven and there's a destination called hell. The one that you reside in for all time and eternity is going to depend on the choice that you make. See, you have to make a choice. Nobody wants to make a choice. It's not fun to, to make a choice, but you have to make a choice because it's impossible to remain neutral whenever it comes to either accepting or denying Jesus. When you make the choice, it's amazing. Let me just tell you how incredible it is. By grace, every single one of your sins, both past, present, and future, are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, never to be brought up against you again. That is good news. It's about four of us that know how good a news that is. Maybe it's because you weren't as spectacular at making dumb choices and sinning in your life as I was. But when I hear that Jesus forgives my sin, both past, present, and future, never to be brought up against me again because I belong to him and I am a Christian. I am a follower of the way. I am a blood-bought, born-again Spirit-filled, saved, Pentecostal believer and follower of Christ. He is in me and I am in him. To know 
that my shortcomings, even the ones that I haven't committed yet, are under the blood of Jesus is a remarkable, remarkable thing. And one that I will spend the rest of my life grateful for. I'm going to share it with everybody that I get a chance to share it with. Because it's good news. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. See, you have the choice. He is presenting himself to you. He's knocking. He probably even gets louder. He's knocking. And you have the ability to say, go away. Quit bothering me. Or you could get up and open the door. And he says that for anybody that opens the door, I will come in and be with them. But it's got to... It's got, there's got to be some participation. You have to choose. You got to get up and you got to open the, devo- the door and invite him in. So how do you receive him? Number one, you first recognize that you can't save yourself. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be able to give enough. You can't serve enough, right? Every single one of you are sinners in need of a savior, Right? All have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous, no, not even one. If you've broken one of the commandments, you've broken them all. You are a hot, sticky mess in need of Jesus. And he is the only one that can save you. You can't get salvation through any other way but, but, but coming to him And surrendering to him and believing in him and asking him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life. And when you do, he does just that, period. At that very moment, your name is written in this space and place called the Lamb's Book of Life. And there's no eraser, I believe, on the pen. And I believe that he writes that name in there. And your name is going to be called out in eternity because you belong to him. Amen? Have you made the decision? Do you know when you made the decision? If you have no idea if you've made the decision, when you made the decision, or where you made the decision, it's possible that you haven't made the decision, and you can make the decision today. In fact, you don't even have to wait until the the end of the service where I'm going to give you an opportunity. At any time in your life, you can make the decision. You don't have to be led by somebody to make the decision. I was in jail by myself, cold. Not even in my right mind. And I made a decision. And that decision has led me to where I am today. And when you make that decision, spend the rest of your life testifying of the goodness that you're going to experience. Come on, any opportunity, you're given an opportunity to testify. The second thing is, in the second place that we see the word Christian in the Bible... Number two is this, there's a life to live. The Apostle Paul spent his time persecuting the church, killing Christians, separating families, throwing believers in jail, left, you know, threw the men in jail, left the women to fend for themselves, which was a very difficult time and a place to do this in. 
destroyed families. He has this moment where he surrenders to Jesus and now he goes to work for the rest of his life serving the Lord. Come on, he gave his life as a living sacrifice, come on, to advance. He was against, he was, he was, a, he was tearing down the, the church, and now he is building and advancing the church. So there's a life to live. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 25, the church is growing rapidly. It's expanding. The Bible said, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he took him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. For a whole year, they taught great numbers of people. They discipled great numbers of people. And the disciples, the Bible says, were called Christians first in this place called Antioch. So they're in revival. It starts in Israel, and then it begins to pour out into, into the known world. Many people are coming to, to the faith, and, um, and then they've, they've got so many people, they're like, listen, what should we call ourselves? Let's call ourselves Christians because we are becoming Christ-like. We're being changed and transformed into his image and likeness. Someone once said it like this, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Sounds like a silly question, right? But the truth is, is there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus that live their Christian life. Well, you just don't understand. You know what I mean? My faith is private and, and it's my faith and... No, man, your faith is not private. It was never meant to be private. Come on, your faith and your belief in Jesus Christ is supposed to be lived out loud. Matthew 28, it tells us, and this is every believer, come on, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach them to observe the things that I have taught you. And guess what? You're not going alone because I'm going with you even to the end of the age or the edge of the earth or something like that. It's like he's going to be with us. Right? A group of men's like sitting around the coffee shop. Anybody drink coffee with other people on a regular basis? It's funny the conversations that can come out of situations like this you're sitting around well there was this group of men that met every morning at a coffee shop and they got on the topic of Christianity one of them says well what is it what's a Christian what is that they're talking about you know one person said well a Christian is a good person it's a good person Christian another guy said goes to church Christian goes to goes to church and one guy kind of just thought it was getting off topic like they're trying to identify one guy said Christians are weird and I, I would agree some like some Christians are like weird you know what I mean we're just just weird but one guy got off topic and he was just like listen instead of trying to identify the characteristics of a Christian 
He said, man, I know this guy by the name of Jeff Reynolds. And I've been watching Jeff, and his life has changed. I don't know exactly what all's happened. But man, he just seems to have a little bit more love in his heart than he had before. He seems to be generous, not only with his time, but with his resource. Like he seems like he really cares and is concerned. And every opportunity, like this guy is praying, he's praying for food, he's praying for, for people that, you know what I mean, that are, that are in need, and he's believing that Jesus, and, and I just think that, man, I think, I think the best way to describe what a Christian looks like is Jeff Reynolds. So my question is this, right? If there was a bunch of guys that were visiting around the table drinking coffee, Would your name be mentioned as somebody that just really grabs hold of what a Christian is? Let me tell you it like this. Like if you've been coming to this church for a long period of time, and then all of the sudden, somebody that you never thought was, would ever step foot in the church, and you see them come to the same service that you've gone to for years, and if that person is just as surprised to see you as you are to see them, like there is something really wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like being a Christian should change how we talk. It should change how we act. It would change what we do. It changes how we carry ourselves. And it becomes a topic that we are ready to talk about any opportunity, we're given an opportunity to talk about it. See, Christians are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're called to, to do what he did, but just on a greater scale because there's a lot more of us. The truth is, is that somebody that is not walking with the Lord, even a church our size by ourselves, it should just be a matter of time before every single person in this community, come on, has been, has been given an opportunity to receive Jesus because we're all on mission to share his goodness. Amen? We're all on mission to share the testimony that he's given us. John 15, 11 says this. Jesus is saying, these things I've spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. See, Jesus was a man of joy. Sometimes we don't see him like that, but I can promise you that Jesus laughed and he smiled and, and he probably joked around a little bit and, you know, hanging out with the guys and and uh, he was a fun person. I promise you that if Jesus, was, if Jesus was walking the earth today, you would like him. And I would like him. Matter of fact, he would be one of those people that we just couldn't get enough time spending time with. Christians should be joyful. Christians shouldn't be Debbie Downers. Right? Christians shouldn't be naysayers. Christians shouldn't be killjoys. Christians shouldn't be people that look at the, the glass half empty. Don't look around. I'm just going to ask you a question. 
Do you know some Christians that you're just like, I don't know, there's not much joy in them. And if there's a conversation to be had, many times these people are going to be complaining about something or, or on, the, on the negative side of something, and it just kind of sucks the air out of the room. But Jesus says, the joy that I give you, I give you so that your joy may be full. And I'm telling you this, that as Christians, your joy should be full. I'm not saying you don't go through hard times and hard days, but when you become known, come on, to have a bad attitude, it's possible you might not be a Christian. It's possible. See, Jesus loves some things. And if you're a Christian, but yet you do not like people, Jesus loved people. And if you're a Christian, like you should love people too. And barring some, some traumatic events happening, you know what I'm saying, where you have a hard time trusting people and so on and so forth. Like if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't love people, then you just might not. I'm not saying you're not, but you just might not be a Christian. And if you love Jesus, but you don't like his church, and you call yourself a Christian, but you don't like the church, it's very possible that you think you're a Christian, but you're really not a Christian because Jesus loved the church so much that he gave, gave his life for it. You're the bride of Christ. He gave everything for you. And so if we're like, I just don't, I don't know about that organized religion and, and I don't know about people and this and that. I'm just telling you, it doesn't add up. It's possible, it's very possible that a lot of people have made Jesus to become something that he's not. They have created Jesus, come on, to fit their lifestyle but it's just a made-up, man-made Jesus. And I'm telling you this, I don't care what you call a false god, even if you put the title Jesus on it, if you've made Jesus to be some, become something other than the Bible identifies him as being, then you're not serving the right Jesus. You can call him Jesus, but you're not a Christian. And let me tell you this, there's a lot of people that create Jesus to be something that he's not. And it's usually to help support whatever lifestyle it is and choices that they have, that they have made. Then they hide behind, don't judge me. Don't judge me. 1 Peter 4, 16, if you suffer as a Christian... The Bible says, do not be ashamed, but praise God, you bear that name. Bear what name, Christian? Because Christianity brings about suffering. That brings us to point number three. Number one is this, there's a decision to be made. There's a life to live. And number three is there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. Jesus himself even says that you have to be willing to pick up your cross every single day. The cross is a sign of suffering. The cross is a symbol of death. And he's saying you need to pick up your cross every single day. You need to die out to self. And you're going you're gonna to experience some suffering. The apostle Paul said this, that all that live for Jesus will suffer persecution. 
See, we don't really know a lot about persecution here other than maybe you were canceled or, 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 or maybe you know, somebody said, I, I can't be your friend no more because you're kind of a radical. You know what I'm saying? You're like, all you do is you want to talk about Jesus. You're weird. And I don't want to be your friend no more. I can guarantee you this. It's very possible in this community, in our community, that you were passed over uh, promotion. You were passed over and being given the promotion that you deserved, maybe because you were a Christian or or you just went to the wrong church or, or whatnot. So those are, those are, those are some, some, some areas of, of persecution, of suffering. I don't want to downplay those. But you know this, right now there are more people, come on, being killed because of Christianity on the planet. There's 8 billion people on the planet. There's more people being killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ than probably any other time in history. And it's happening right now. See, it costs some people everything. It costs some people something. And I'm telling you, I felt this a long time ago. I was even sharing it over the past several years that being a Christian going forward, it just is what it is. We're not afraid. We're not trying to get away from it. But it's going to cost you more than it's cost you in the past. And we've seen that. Like there is an all-out assault now where we used to be a Christian nation. Now there's an all-out assault on what Christians believe and even calling yourself a Christian, right? Because if you're going to stand up for what you believe, it's going to fly in the face of everything that our culture and our world is embracing right now. And this is the sad thing, is some people are trying to take the easy road by not causing any waves. We don't want to disrupt anything. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to we don't want to seem crazy or you know what I'm saying? So so we don't stand up for the very things that Jesus gave his life for that the father sent his son to die for. And I'm just saying that's 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 crazy, right? Like what was important to him needs to be important to us. Let me just say it again, what was important to him He's the same. He doesn't change because we live in 2023 and most adults have lost their minds. He doesn't change because of that. He's, he's not looking to be popular. Come on, he stands for truth and love. And that's what we have to stand for is truth and love. And so I'm just telling you this, that if you choose to follow Jesus, let me put an extra word in there, publicly... Because there's a lot of people that choose to follow Jesus privately, and I've got some personal issue with that. But if you choose to follow Jesus publicly, come on, there's going to be some costs that is going to come to you. There's going to be some, some suffering. There's going to be some persecution. But the Bible says, where does it say that? Huh? If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God. Praise God. Another place in the scripture says, count it all joy. Right? Count it all joy when you come into, under persecution for my name's sake. Amen? Are you guys with me? So there's a price to pay. 
Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Glorify God. It is a privilege to be a Christian. And even though there are posers, even though there are imposters, I want to encourage you to be authentic in your walk with God, even if it hurts. I want to close today. You guys are so excited because you're going to be first in line at Denny's when you're usually getting the leftovers. But this is the deal, guys. Not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. You have to know him. Not know a church. You have to know him. You have to be in him and he has to be in you. I know I share this scripture a lot, but it's very sobering. Talking about the end times, there's going to be many people that come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, we've cast out demons in your name and we've laid hands on the sick in your name and they've recovered in your name and we've done all of these amazing things in the name of Jesus. Check it. Check this out. Jesus' response to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I Jesus is saying this to many people. I don't know who you are. You know, you could throw around my name all you want. But unless I know you and you know me, we have no place with each other. And so he says, depart. There's only other, one other place to depart to. It's not purgatory. It's not... It's not Maui. Like you're either with him or you're not with him. You're with him in heaven in eternity or you're, or you're in hell for eternity. And so, this is a big deal. Everybody you talk to in this community, most everybody is going to say, if you were to ask them, what are you? I'm a Christian. But yet, the fruit isn't present. How will you know them? You'll know them by the fruit that they bear. This is a little bit tricky because we've got a lot of good people in our community. And fruit can oftentimes look appealing, but then have you ever bitten into an apple only to get a rotten spot? It looks really nice on the outside, but a worm has gotten itself into the apple and just destroyed the apple and you can't get that apple out of your mouth fast enough. Has that ever happened to you? That's so disgusting. Why would I share that? It's about lunchtime. But I want you to know this, that it's important that you know the one true Jesus because many Jesuses, especially in the last day, are being preached and will be preached. Many Jesuses. See, the devil's no dummy. He's like, that's all I got to do is use a name? Give it a completely different definition? Hmm. I'll do that. Many Jesuses will be preached. But I want you to know it's important that you know the Scripture, the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? And he, he is the only begotten of the Father. There's no other. He was born of a virgin Mary. He lived 33 years of perfect life, tempted and tried in every way possible. He's been tempted in ways that you'll never be tempted in your life. 
And then he's been tempted in every way that you are tempted in your life. And he did not sin. The Bible says that he laid down his life willfully. Why? As the perfect lamb of God, the sacrifice that was slain before the foundations of the world. That anybody that would believe in him would not perish, wouldn't go to hell, but would live with him in eternity. So that's the Jesus that you have to believe in. You know, he wasn't one of many children. He's the only begotten. And then we're brought into the family in and through adoption. Amen. We get a chance to carry his name. And when the devil is accusing you and telling, you know, like a bad lawyer, all the, all the things that you've done, Jesus is standing just in the corner, just not even looking up, not even, he's just saying, covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. He says, I see no sin because I've forgiven all of them. Amen? That's the Jesus that we need to know. And when you know that Jesus and he knows you, carry that name Christian, man, like a trophy and let everybody know about it. Don't be weird. Just be real. Tell them how good, come on, your life is because of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Just real quick, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it would be foolish to not give an opportunity for you to receive him. Maybe, maybe you were shook a little bit when I said there's always a time and there's always a location that you can go back to. And you're sitting today and you're like, I don't have a time and I don't have a location. I've talked to a lot of people like that. And I'm not saying by any means that, that you're not, maybe you just forgot. I mean, I don't know. There could be a lot of things, but it's possible that you never really made a decision at a certain time or a certain location. It's possible that your decision was, it sounds like a good idea. I'll give it a shot. I'll try it out. But you've never fully committed. Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me. Like he was right, he was on the he was on the threshold, but just was like, no, I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna do it. So I just wonder if you're here today, best decision you can make. And today could be the day that you write down in your Bible and you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like today could be that day. You could even I don't have I got my Africa bracelet on, I don't have a watch on. You could even mark the time that you did it. I encourage you to celebrate this as a second birthday, a better birthday than your first birthday. But if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, it's super simple, but it's very powerful, and it will change your life. It will, your life will not be the same. You will, you will take a new journey with the Lord that will take you to exciting places. How do you do it? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. How do you do it? You ask him to forgive your sins. How do you do it? You ask him to come into your life and to save you. That's the fun part, but you also ask him to be the Lord of your life, like the boss of your life, the director of your life. My life is not my own. It belongs to him. And so just real quick, is there anybody here this morning would like to make that decision this morning 
and we'll pray together. Is there anybody? Right here. Thank you, sir. Best decision you can make. Awesome. I'm not going to rush through this real quick. Is there anybody else this morning that you're just like, I need to know Jesus. I need to know I'm saved. Like, I don't want to guess. I don't want to hope. Is there anybody? Anybody else up top? Okay. Everybody else is good? All right. Is there anybody here this morning that just needs to, you know what I mean? Like, you're saved. Your name's written in that book, but priorities have just gotten a little out of whack, and you're just like, man, I need to. I need to make God seek first the kingdom of God all over the place. Awesome. I love that. And, and I'm telling you guys this, listen, I'm, raise your hands up just real quick. Awesome. All right. I've been this place where you guys are right now several times in my Christian journey. And I want you to know that this is the love of God just sharing with you that, hey, listen, you put some other things first. And I'm telling you, this is why repentance isn't a one-time deal. It's a lifestyle. And I encourage you, anytime that the Lord just says, hey, listen, things are out of balance a little bit, man, just repent, ask him to forgive you, and then just put him number one again. Amen. Do you receive that? Let's stand to our feet and pray, and then we're going to go right into worship. We're going to skip talking about giving. Guys, you know how to give, right? We're a giving church. Continue to be faithful with your finances. But right now, for those that are making a decision either to receive Jesus right now for the first time or to recommit their life, this is, this is, we're going to pray this together. So just say this prayer in your own way. Lord, we are so grateful for today. We're thankful for your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much, for loving me so much that you died for me, my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins right now in Jesus' name. Come into my life. And, and, and Lord, I, I confess right now that my life is not my own. It belongs to you. It's not mine. It's yours. I know I'm going to struggle with that, but help me with that struggle. God, I belong to you, and I thank you, Lord, for saving me today. I believe that you are who you say you are, who the Bible says you are. And I'm not going to create you to be a Jesus that, that just kind of supports my lifestyle. But I'm going to trust that your word is true. And Lord, your character is what I see in the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for loving me so much. I even feel you right now in this place. Forgive me of my sins, both past, present, and future. And Lord, I'm thankful that right now you're even writing my name in that book of eternity. Thank you, Lord, for that. Today, I know I'm going to spend eternity with you. I know life isn't going to be easy all the time, but God, help me, even when I forget, to be reminded of you and to trust you, even in the hard times. God, fill my heart with joy. You said, my joy, I give you that your joy might be full. That's the kind of joy that I want, that full joy. It's the kind of joy that you want me to have. So I receive that even by faith today. For those, Lord, that are making a rededication, a recommitment, Lord, thank you for the spirit of the living God that just shows us where we've kind of went stray a little bit. But Lord, right now we just say, Jesus, I make you number one. Please forgive me for getting off track. Thank you for the forgiveness, and let's move forward together. My life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. Let's worship the Lord. One more song, guys. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.